All right. Praise the Lord. We thank God for his goodness. Um, he is an awesome God. He's an on-time God. We thank him for his bountiful blessings that he keeps giving to the church. Uh, we thank the Lord for uh, the relaxing of some of the regulations around the church we, as far as the uh, pandemic is concerned. So we are thankful for that. We are still in a pandemic and we still uh, must uh, use wisdom and obey that word. But we do thank the Lord for all of his blessings and everything that he gives. We want to continue on uh, our study on this journey. We've been talking uh, from uh, glory to God from the book of Samuel, 1 Samuel, to be uh, more precise, we are in the 17th chapter, uh, and our scripture text set is, chap is verse 32 through verse 37. Amen. So we've been looking at 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting at verse 32, all the way through verse 37. Seven, Amen. And the word of God reads this. And David said to Saul, let no man heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth and he a man of war from his youth. And David said unto Saul, thy servant kept his father's sheep, and there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went out after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said unto David, go, and the Lord be with thee, as always. May God have a blessing to the reading, hearing, and doing of his word. Amen. So that is, uh, that's 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses uh, 32 through, um, through 37. Now, la last week, we talked about um, several things, um, and we are picking up this week uh, as we talk about um, this, uh, this, this concept of um, lions and bears. Amen. Amen. We're really dealing in dealing with the lessons that can be learned from David's encounter with the lion and from and his and his encounter with the bear. And there is a lot to be learned. But as we said before, we are backing into this. There's so much. It's so rich. We don't want to miss not even a drop of it. Amen. Last week, when we uh, talked about um, this, uh, uh, we continued in our study. That was lesson three. This is lesson four. Um, we talked about how the Philistine army occupied, amen, one mountain and Israel occupied another mountain. Okay. And we talked about how in between um, the, this, these two armies, there was a valley and it was in this valley that they would um, scrimmish, amen, 
Amen. We also said that, um, and we saw that in 1 Samuel 17, you can see that in verse number three. We also took a look at 1 Samuel 17 and 16. Amen. And the Bible says this, and the Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself 40 days. Amen. And so we talked about last week how for 40 days and for 40 nights, okay, now, when he says, and the Philistine, this is talking specifically about Goliath, okay? Amen. So the army is there present, but this particular scripture is talking about Goliath and how Goliath interacted with the, uh, with the children of God. And the Bible just tells us that for 40 days and for 40 nights, amen, Goliath presented himself and he challenged Israel, amen, and he challenged them for 40 days. And for 40 nights, this is what he did. He, he showed up and he presented himself. And we said that the challenge of the enemy is always what we learned for a period of time. Amen. There was a set time. The Bible tells us it was for 40 days. It was day and night, but it was for 40 days. Amen. That he presented himself and that he challenged. The points that we took away was that number one, the enemy or the challenge of the enemy is always for a period of time. Now, this is important. Why? Because sometimes when we are in the midst of trouble, okay, or in, and, and when I talk about trouble, I mean, in particular, when we are in the midst of persecution. So that's the type of trouble that I'm talking about and not any other type of trouble. Sometimes when we are in the middle of persecution, which means that we are um, being attacked by the enemy or by this world. Amen. It can seem like it's going to last a lifetime. Let's just be real. It can literally seem like the onslaught is going to continue. It seems like you are enduring hit after hit after hit. It seems like there will just be no end. And it can seem like that. When, when, when we deal with persecution, persecution has a way of making the days seem long and the nights seem cold. I'm telling you, when persecution is around and it can make the outlook, it can make things look really, really bleak. And you can, and it's easy to see why so many people give up hope. So many people turn away some so many people walk away during the time of persecution you know why because it says it's not worth it why go through all of this why deal with all of this but many times brothers and sisters we forget just as Goliath's confrontation with the armies of the Lord just as it was meant for only a period of time so too is the reality and the nature of the persecution that you and I endure. Now, let me explain. I'm not talking about persecution that you bring on yourself. If you are living foul, if you are living wrong, if you are operating contrary to the word of God, if you are coloring outside the lines of God's word, I'm gonna tell you something, that too can bring persecution. But that's the unnecessary kind. That's not the kind that that God is bringing on. You know, that's the kind that our own that our own uh, negligence has brought on us. That's not the kind. So you don't get no brownie points. Amen. I don't get no brownie points when, when I patiently endure 
uh, the persecution that I bring on myself. That's foolishness. And the Bible teaches us very, teaches us that. So you don't, you don't get a gold star. You don't get, you don't get a gold star for bringing ridiculousness on upon you and then trying to endure it. And, and, and then you're going to take the high road and you're going to handle it like a Christian. No, no, no. You're supposed to handle it like a Christian before you got into it. And if you were handling it, if I was handling it like a Christian before I got into it, I wouldn't have got into it in the first place. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You don't, you don't honor God because you handle, endure stuff that you bring, unnecessary things that you bring on yourself like a Christian. Uh-uh, that's not it. God don't reward that. You need to understand God, the wool will never be pulled over God's eyes. He know what you did. And he know why you, and he know why you in the mess that you in. He knows why I'm in the mess that I'm in. You don't get to, you don't, you, we, we don't get to, 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 to live like hell Monday through, 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 <laughs> through Saturday. And then, and then on Sunday, we want to be, we want to be the angel. Especially because all of the hell that we've been doing Monday through Saturday has starting to uh, is starting to pay off dividends. Why? Because the wages of sin is still death. It's gonna always pay in that. It's gonna erode things. It's gonna break things down. When you and I engage in sin, it is going to always result in the death or the erosion of things around us. And heaven help us if we are not saved and baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and filled with the Holy Ghost, if we die in that sin, uh, ultimately that is going to have a catastrophic result because our sec because we will eventually die the second death. And that is our soul being separated eternally from God our Father. We don't want that. <clears throat> no, we don't want that. And 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 and, and, it, and if you're listening to this, wherever you are, whenever you listen to this, listen. God is not going to bless mess, so you got to change your heart. You got to repent of that sin. You got to go back to God, and you get back to doing it <clears throat> God's way. Nevertheless, persecution lasts for a time. Ecclesiastes three and one tells us this: to everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. Amen. There's a time. We learn that. Amen. But but nevertheless, when we are in persecution, okay, and we're being persecuted for the right reason. So we're living right. Okay. And it's just that the, you know, and 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 when you're doing that, you gotta understand the devil, the devil's gonna hate you real good. And, 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 and because he holds sway with this world, he's going to act up and people in this world are going to act up. They are going to act out the will of Satan. Why? Because the devil is their father. And so they are going to represent the interests of their father. Amen. So them that don't have a relationship with God, they are easy prey for the enemy to seduce in the area of their actions and any other area, as a matter of fact. And so the world will always in parallel with Satan because it is influenced by the will of Satan. The world will always act out the will of Satan. And when the world acts out the will of the devil himself. You got to understand 
That means you're going to deal with some persecution, especially if you're of the household of faith and you have been making it a point to live according to that Bible. I want to segue into something really quick. I want to tell you this before I, I move a little bit further into this. That no matter how much persecution the enemy comes and throws at your way, I want to tell you that living for God, obeying that word is still the best thing that you can ever do. No, it does not matter who comes, who steps up, who wants to bring the problem. Look, it don't matter because as long as God is for you, I want to remind you that he will always be the difference maker. He will always cause the majority to be in on your side. And I want to tell you, it does not matter who is against you. If God is for you, you're unstoppable in him. Do you hear what I'm saying? You just stay humble. Don't, don't get caught in yourself. Don't start writing your own letters and, and, and believe in your own press. No, no, no. We are all sinners who have been saved by grace. Amen. Those of us who have been baptized in the name of Jesus and have, re have received his spirit. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter three, verse eight says something interesting. It says a time as it continues on this theme of their time and a season for everything, Ecclesiastes 3 and 8 says this, there's a time for love and a time for hate and a time for war and a time for peace. And so we talked about how there even, even though I know it gets hard sometimes, we don't want to fight, we don't want to struggle, we don't always want to deal with that. And, 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 and let's be honest, persecution is annoying. Persecution is annoying. It does not feel good. I don't know about you, but you know, when persecution comes up, I there, there are times where I say, man, I could really do, do without that. I mean, I could do a whole lot less than that. In fact, if God decided to just totally alleviate that so I didn't have to deal with anything, I would sign up for that in a moment. Yeah, persecution doesn't feel good. No one wants to be persecuted, but you can't run. You got to understand there are some fights, family, you can't run from. Why? Because the devil's going to bring it to you. So you're going to have to be ready with the whole armor of God. Ephesians, amen, chapter 6, 11 through 17. Make sure you read that sometime. Amen. Amen. You got to be ready. You don't always, you don't get to always pick the venue where the fight's going to take place. You don't get to always pick the circumstance. You hear what I'm telling you? You don't get, you don't, you, you don't, you, you don't, and it's going to, and, and because you don't get to pick the place and you don't get to pick the time, the devil's going to try to intimidate you and make you think that he got home court advantage. But I'm telling you right now, uh, God went on any court. Glory to God. It don't matter where the devil brings. It doesn't matter where he decides that he's going he's gonna to lock in and he's going to wage a war. It don't matter. If he wage it in my household, God is greater. If he wage it on my job, God is greater. If he wage it in the church, God is greater. It doesn't matter where it is. We serve a God who is what? Absolutely greater. Don't you forget that. Don't you forget that. We also learned that the challenge of the enemy, the persecution, it'll never be, and I want to repeat, never, 
it will never be beyond your ability to survive through him. Do you hear what I'm saying? Not on your own. If you try to do it on your own, you're going to be overtaken. But if you do it through the Lord Jesus Christ, you're going to be all right. Look at first, look at first Corinthians chapter 10, 13 and 14. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will what? Not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Wherefore, my dearly beloved, flee idolatry. Do you hear that? Oh, I don't know how you feel about that, but you know what? That warms my heart to know that, to know that that's a promise that the children of God have and that we can lean to, especially in the times where the battle is ferocious and the enemy is relentless. Because it's during those times where you feel like, man, I, I really want to, man, I want to run away from this. I want to get out of this or whatever. But no, no, you stand your ground. The battle is still the Lord's. And don't forget that. You will not, as long as you follow in that word, you stay in that word, family. You follow and obey that word. Not relying on your own strength, but on the strength of the Holy Ghost. Because that's why God give us the Holy Ghost so that we can accomplish what he's assigned to us to do. You obey the Lord. Walk upright before the Lord. Choose him when everyone else is choosing everything else. You choose God. You worship God. You exalt his name. Don't wait till you get to church. You praise God now. You glorify him right then, right there. I'm talking about in the middle of the fire, you bless his name. And you watch what God will do. He won't leave you hanging. No, he won't leave you hanging at all. Not at all. Not at all. God knows exactly what to do. Nevertheless, David was already at this point in the scripture. David was already in the employ of Saul. Now, we talked a little bit about this um, a little bit earlier, and we talked about how the spirit of the Lord had departed Saul. And when we talked about that and we read the scriptures, okay, I told you, if you read all of that, okay, after the spirit um, departs Saul, so he, the, the anointing is gone, amen. And I told you that when the anointing leaves, it opens up the, man, that, that opens up the door for all kinds of stuff to break loose. And Saul didn't have no speed, no, no peace after that. He didn't, he didn't have any, he didn't have any of that. He was no, when the spirit of the Lord departed, man, that, that, that was a, that, that, that was a terrible thing. When the spirit of the Lord departed Saul, he was besieged with unclean spirits, evil spirits, wicked spirits. He was besieged with that. Man, they just antagonized that, that guy. He couldn't, he, he did, he, when the spirit of the Lord departed him, that buffer, everything that he had that would prevent <laughs> the onslaught of the, of the enemy, the assault 
that he takes sometimes against your mind. And it, listen, that was gone. Brothers and sisters, it is imperative that you stay in the word and in the will of God. You don't want the anointing of God to depart you. You could because when the anointing of God departs you, as we see with the illustration of Saul, so too went the hedge of protection. Amen. That's a heavy thing to lose the anointing of God, the favor of God. The presence of God. It is a heavy thing for God to say, I don't want nothing to do with you. You don't want that. You don't want God to say, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of, I'm, you know what, I'm, I've, I've had it with him. I've had it with her. They are on their own. You do not want that. Because if you simply look at what happened to Saul, you see how that played out. You see the end result. When he needed peace, he couldn't find it. So he needed somebody that had the spirit of God to bring some peace. And in the interest of that, that's where David comes in. Because David was, not only did he have the anointing, but God anointed all that David did, including his talents and his abilities and his skills. And one of them was that of playing music. And this is what the scripture teaches. That when that evil spirit would come upon Saul, he would call for David. David had the anointing. Saul didn't know it, but David had the anointing. And he would begin to minister through music. Glory to God. Glory to God. Are you a, are you a musician? When, you are, when you're playing, whatever the instrument is, doesn't matter what it is. Do you not know that your talent alone is not good enough? Do you know that God is looking for something more than your dexterity, your ability to, to, to manipulate keys or pluck strings and all of these things and, and clang cymbals and drums and all this kind of stuff? Do you know that God is looking for something more? Do you know that God wants to minister through the music? Do you understand? I'm not even talking about the, the singing. I'm just talking about the music right now. I'm talking about the musician, the one that has been anointed, has been blessed to be able to play. Do you not know that God can work even through the music that's being played? Glory to God. Glory to God. See, there's something powerful about a man or a woman who has the anointing of God and will play as if they have an audience with just God. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. It does something. It does something. It does something. And if you are a musician and you're listening to this, I want to encourage you. Play as unto the Lord. Every key that you play, every string that you pluck, every cymbal that you clang, and all of the different instruments, doesn't matter what it is, go to that place where you are giving that as worship to God. And you watch what God does. Watch how the playing transforms into something more. Because when God steps into something, it transforms. It can not stay the same and it will not stay the same. Glory to God. Glory to God. 
David allowed the Lord to use him through his playing. And when Saul couldn't catch a break on his own, why? Because the spirit of the Lord had departed him. Here come David with the anointing of God. Here comes David with the favor of God. Here comes David allowing God to minister through him. And it brought peace. Amen. It brought peace. So, and, and, and so David, this became the job, so to speak, of David for a while. It became his, and because whenever Saul just couldn't catch a break, when he couldn't find any peace. See, it's God's will that you don't, you don't have to go, you shouldn't have to go to somebody else. When you have the spirit of God living on the inside, let me tell you, all you got to do in order to get peace is speak the word. That's all you got to do. That's all you got to do. But when the anointing departs, when God turns and takes his hands off of you, when God leaves you alone, when God says, I don't want no nothing else to do with him or her. Then you lose the ability. You lose the ability to just simply take the word and find peace. You lose the ability to invoke the promises that are nestled in every word that God has spoken to you. Why? Because you out of order and God is never going to bless mess. I know that's a recurring theme, but I have to say it. God is not going to endorse foolishness. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the church. It doesn't matter how, listen, it does not matter. You got to serve and worship the Lord, your God. And him only are you allowed to serve. When you give your all to God, I want you to understand, he will keep giving his all to you. See, he already gave his all first. How did he do it, preacher? He went to that cross. Yeah, he took on a nature that he didn't have natively. What nature is that? A human nature. Because it was required for the sacrifice for my sin and your sin. And you know what he did? He took it to that old rugged cross. Yeah, they hung him high. I heard they stretched him wide. Bowed his head and gave up the ghost. After allowing them to beat him and to bruise him and to mock him and to scourge him. All of these different things. Why? Paying for crimes that he didn't commit. What was he doing? Making a way for me and you to come back to him. Why was he doing it? Because he loved us when we did not love him back. Oh, see, the Bible is a <laughs> glory to God is a lopsided love story. It is a story of the love of a father who never 
deserved to be treated the way we treat him. And how he was relentless with his love and never backed down. And was willing to give everything. Because he wanted all of you and he wanted all of me. That's a good God. Yes, the Bible is a lopsided love story. Because we don't love him the way that we should. No, 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 no. But you know what I'm glad about it? I'm glad about the fact that God gives us his very spirit. That's the Holy Ghost. That's him. And through his spirit, he elevates our love and takes us to the place where we can begin to truly love the way he wants us to. I'm talking about a love that matches up with the Bible. Glory to God. That's the kind of love you want. Not that stuff that the world got. No, we don't need that. God looking for that real love. Amen. And he know that even on our own, we, we messed that up. So I'm so glad that he even helped us with that. He even helped us love right. Isn't that something? God helps us love right. He literally helps us love him. Glory to God. These are good things. These are good things. So David is in the employ of Saul. So he's working for Saul now. He's got a job. He's, the, he's, he's, he's more or less the, the Saul's personal uh, musician at this point. And David is full of the spirit and he plays with the spirit. Amen. So he's, David is in the employ of Saul, but in our text, as it so happens, okay, or as we get to this place in our text, David, while in the employ, he's still employed by Saul, but we reach a point when we get to the story of David and Goliath, this is on the heels of David having returned home. Amen. So I don't know, perhaps David was, was on, had, had been given a break of, of, of some sort and everybody had gone out to war and had gone out to battle anyway. So perhaps David, you know, saying was, was, you know, he didn't have anything to do, who knows? But David made his way home. And I want you to notice something. The Bible teaches that David went home to feed his father's sheep. Amen. And when David got home, his father requested of him that David go and check on his three oldest brothers because his oldest brothers, Elab, Abinadab, and Shema, they were, they were employed, they were in the army, amen. So they were on the front line, they were on the battlefront, okay? And so David returns home to feed the sheep. And while he's at home, his father makes a request. He tells him to go check on, he tells him to go check on his brothers. Amen. This is how, this is what it goes. This is how, how that, how that goes. But I want you to notice something here. I want you to, to, I want you to, I want you to, 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 to notice something. Amen. David returned home while in the employ of Saul. So he's got a job. He's working. He works, he's working for Saul, but he returns home to feed 
his father's sheep. David was still working for Saul. But he still went home, watch this, to take care of his father's sheep. God loves his people. His people are considered his sheep, the sheep of his pasture or of his flock. God loves us, the sheep of his pasture, so much that he has intentions to always feed his people. I want you to turn to the book of Ezekiel. I want you to grab chapter 34, and I want you to look at verse 15, and I want you to look at verse 16. Glory to God. Ezekiel 34, 15, 16. The Bible says this. This is God talking in this scripture. This is what he's saying. I will feed my flock, and I will cause them to lie down, saith the Lord God. I will seek that which was lost. And bring again that which was driven away. I will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. But I will destroy the fat and the strong. I will feed them with judgment. Do you hear God? Do you hear God? That's his intention. Look at that. Look, <laughs> he says, I will feed my flock. I will seek that which is lost. I will bring again that which was driven away. I will bind up that which was broken and will strengthen that which was sick. That's God's intention, family. But the most incredible part of that that, as if that was not incredible enough. Glory, I just love God's word. As if Ezekiel 34, 15, and 16 was not incredible enough, beholding and watching God's intention. I don't know how you feel, but that warms my heart to know that that is all part of God's intention toward me. Not just feeding me, but taking care of all of me. And his intention is not to just feed you, but it's to take care of all of you. But as if that wasn't as incredible enough. And that is absolutely magnificent. Glory to God. But it doesn't end there. See, that's God's intention. Now I want you to see how far the intention of God extends. Because it is God's intention to feed his sheep. But you know what else? It's God's, it is also God's desire that you and I participate in feeding his sheep. Turn to Luke chapter 22. 
Luke chapter 22. I want you to look at, you start, I want you to look at verse 20. I want you to look at verse 32. So Luke 22, and I want you to look at verse 32. This is on the heels. This is the beginning, just before Peter denies the Lord. And really all of them denied him. But, 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 but the, but the, but the, the history, the biblical history recorded here focuses on it. And God has that for a reason. So, so for all intents and purposes, this is, if this is just, this is just prior to the fall of Peter, so to speak. Peter's all, he, he, I mean, Peter is juiced, man. Peter is, Peter is, Peter is, is ready. Lord, I'm, I'm Lord, I got, I got this. I'm with you, Jesus. I'm here for the long haul. The guy you're looking for is me. I'm right here. Lord, I will not run. I will not deny you. I will not. I, I, I got your back, Jesus. I know what you're saying, Lord. I know you're telling me your time's at hand, but God, listen, if everybody else leave you, you know who's not going to leave you? This guy. That's where, that was Peter's mindset. That's where he was, and he had good intentions. And you and I have those same intentions. See, when we abandon God, most of the time, it's, we don't start out that way. We don't start out with the intention that we want to run out on God. But just like Peter, neither one of us can, can accurately explain what happened. All of a sudden, I mean, we had the good intention, but the bottom just kind of fell out. Well, I'm going to tell you what happened. The Bible tells us this in the book of Romans, chapter 7. Paul said, when I would do good, guess what? Evil is always present with me. You always, I always, at every, any given moment, have the ability to drop the ball. That's why we got to stay in that prayer closet. Glory to God, man. You got to bring that prayer closet with you. You got to pray everywhere. You got to bless God everywhere. You got to ask God to keep you everywhere, in everything, in the midst of everyone. Because, man, this life will offer you, you know, no shortage of, of, of eligible points of failure, places where you and I can break down, spin out of control, and lose it. But I'm so glad that we serve a God who's greater than our faults, greater than our failures, and he is still magnificent. He is still bringing, listen, he, uh, listen God is still turning the tide. You might feel like it's a tsunami getting ready to overrun you. You might feel like the world is just rushing you. Let me tell you something. God is a God that turns the tide. Hey man, that he is a tide changing God. That is good. I'm telling you. Nevertheless, Peter is on the heels of at the, he's at the he's he's getting ready to, you know, he's he's getting ready to knock on betrayal's door. And look at what the Lord does. Look at what he says in, in Luke 22, 32. This is Jesus talking to Peter, knowing what's going to happen. He says, but I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. I want you to keep believing. I pray that you will continue to believe. Do you know that some faults and some failures can, can be so, some falls can be so hard that they cause you to lose your faith? This is how people backslide. A loss of faith. Some defeats of the enemy are so devastating. Some traps, some snares are so insidious. They catch you by 
so much surprise that it rocks you to the very foundation, devastates you at the core, causes you to question everything and everyone. And before you know it, you can find yourself absent of faith. The Lord knew that. Yet here he is praying on behalf of his children. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Peter would go on to fall. He would go on to fail miserably. So would all of them. They all ran out on him. They all betrayed him. They all betrayed him. Do you hear what I'm saying? All of them betrayed him. And they ran out. Yet the Lord prayed for him. That the fall wouldn't result in the loss of faith. Because when faith is gone, everything else goes. But he also prayed that when you're converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, Peter goes on to fall. Now I want you to move to John 21, 17. Let's pick that narrative back up. That was Luke 22, 32. That was the fall. But let's pick, let's, let's, let's pick it back up. Amen. This is after the resurrection. Peter has already fallen and denied the Lord three times. And, I, and, and, I, and you can imagine his faith is about as low as it can get. Peter is devastated. Peter is devastated. And he is probably at this point, at that point, was, he was playing over and over and over. How could this be? He probably rehearsed in his mind over and over. But how did this happen? I, I, I said I wouldn't. I, want, I didn't want to. I didn't over and over and over. How many times do you and I do the same thing? Good intentions. But somehow they just kind of go sideways. And before you look up, before you know it, you look up and you just you're further out than you thought you were. It's like going to an ocean and, and you're on a beach and you notice that there's a sandbar um, or the sand, or it seems like the beach extends out much further into the ocean than, than normal. It looks you're like, wow, it's a lot of some land. I can, I can walk all on this, right? So you, you begin to walk along this sandbar. You move from the beach because it looks like the beach is continuing much further into the ocean, but sandbars are temporary. And when the tide begins to come in, it begins to wash away. And so you walk out on the sandbar, going as far as you can, further and further into the ocean. And your intention is to just come right back. It looks nice, it, it's inviting, right? And you, you just kind of keep going. But before you know it, you turn around, and all of a sudden, this path that you walked along, that was sand at first, 
the ocean behind it just kind of washed it away. And now you're just kind of out almost on an island, so to speak, with no road back. You can see the land in the distance, but you're just on this little patch. And now the ocean is even coming to erode that underneath your feet. That's how sin is. You never think you're going that far. You never think it's going to happen to you. I never think I'm going to be the one. Like the disciples who all had their hand in the dish with Jesus. And everybody's wondering, is it me? But yet, while we wonder at the same time, we don't really entertain the idea, the possibility that it could be me. That it could be you. We cosmetically go through the process. Is it me? But we don't think that it really could be me. Because pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. And before we know it, we out on the island of pride. And we buy ourselves. And that last patch of land is eroding. That's what happened with, with Peter. He's hurting, man. Peter is hurt at this point. He can't believe he messed up. And he was probably doing like something very similar to you and I, wondering how you're going to get back. But look at John 21, 17. The Lord has asked Peter two more times. Peter failed at falling three times, screwed up three times. So look at how the Lord reestates him three times. Look at, look at it. And in here we have the third one. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved. I told you he was hurt. Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus said unto him, feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Peter said, Lord, you know. See, look, when you fall, family, God, know, God still knows your heart. But you need to remember that you love Jesus. And don't let your fault and your failures cause you to say within yourself, there's no need even going, I'm never going to get all this right. Uh-uh. Listen, that is why God gives us the Holy Ghost. This is a walk and a journey towards perfection. God is going to perfect you along the way. One scripture tells us the Lord will perfect that which concerns you. Do you hear what I'm telling you? You just keep walking and don't you stop. You keep going. Nevertheless, he reinstates Peter and he tells him, feed my sheep. 
God's intention is not just that he himself feed, but his intention is, is that you and I partner with him, that we work with him, that we through him feed God's sheep. What does that mean? That we look after and we prioritize feeding our brothers and sisters. God don't give you all the word for you to just sit on all the word. No, family, you're supposed to be using it. I'm supposed to be using it. God's intent is to feed his sheep. While at the same time, his intention is and his desire is that you and I also feed his sheep. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. But check this out. David, in feeding the sheep, David was to both bring his brother's provision and he was to confirm that they were okay. Look at 1 Samuel 17. And I want you to look at verse 17 and 18. Bible says this. And Jesse said unto David, David, his son, take now for thy brethren an ephah of this parched corn and these 10 loaves and run to the camp to thy brethren and carry these 10 cheeses unto the captain of their thousands. And look how they, and look how thy brethren fare and take their pledge. Amen. Amen. So look at the scene. So in, in essence, it really wasn't just the, 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 his brothers, but also for the, the captain as well. Amen. So, 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 so David, so Jesse, David's father sends David to go check on things any 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 i want you to take this food i want you to do all of this i want you to take this to to, to your brothers and i want you and to and to the captain and I, and i want you to see how they're doing i want you to i want you to you you to check it out okay and i and i want you to bring back their pledge see in those times campaigns military campaigns they seldom last they seldom lasted above a few days and a lot of people don't know this but they but the the campaigns, the scrimmages, the battles, they, they didn't last that long. They seldomly lasted above a few days at a time, okay? So much so, and because it was such a, um, they, they, they happened in, in short spurts <clears throat> or stints, the soldiers were often volunteers of a militia, okay? It, they, that, that, that's just how it was back then. They were often volunteer soldiers, okay? Who were, and, 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 and these were the people who signed up. These are the people who said, I'm, you know what? I'm going to do my duty. I'm going, I'm going to fight. I'm going to, to help to protect our land. I'm going to do this. So they were volunteers, most of them, okay? They, they signed up for the, the you, you had a lot of, you have your formal army, but then you had a lot of people who wanted to, who wanted to sign up in addition to it. And whenever that would happen, many times, you got to understand this, many times they were supplied with provisions um, from time to time by their family and their friends or, and from home. This is why Jesse was like, this is why Jesse said, we told Dave, David, look, I want you to take this food over and I want you to go check on them because that, that was common. That's what they did. They were often, they were often supplied, maintained by 
the home front. Amen. Amen. Genesis 4 and 9 says this, and the Lord said unto Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? Brothers and sisters, let me answer that question. Yes, you and I are our brother's keepers. Amen. Amen. Look at David going to go check on his brothers and on the captain. We, Jesse told him, see how they fare. That simply means see if they're okay. Make sure they're doing all right. That's what I want you to do, David. Take them this food. I want you to bring these provisions. But, but, but while you're there, I want you to take a good look. I want you to make sure. I want you to see, gaze, take in how they're doing. You and I are our brother's keeper. You can't live a life where you are holed up in a shell and in a world with the population of just you. That's not what God called you to. That's not the way you and I are supposed to be living and the way we are supposed to be acting. This world is not just about you and me. This Christian walk, this journey is not one where I can just be concerned about my progress. That's important. And I need to be concerned. But how can I truly worship God and glorify God when he who came to see about me, when it's my turn, I won't see about nobody else? That's wickedness. The God of heaven and earth. Has given everything to make sure you are okay. And the only thing he asks for us is to do the same. Where do we get off with the mentality? That I can just focus on myself. And I don't have to pay attention to the plight of my brother or my sister. You can't be saved like that. You cannot make it to heaven like that. Family, when we get to heaven, 
by the grace of God. It will be by the grace of God that we make it. And when we make it, do you know what else? We ain't going to make it alone. We're going to make it together. Know you not that the same trumpet that's going to wake you up is going to wake your brother up? We're in this together. David, check on your brothers. Bring them this food. And see how they fare. Family, how's your brother? How is your sister doing today? How do they fare? God bless you, family. I'm going to stop the recording here. Wow.